And it reads, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Amen. As Pastor Todd comes. Oh, Miss Patty and Jerry, what in the world? I've been here eight years. I can't do this. You're going to have to go back over there. Uh Uh-oh. I just started sweating even more. Wow. This is new. That's a good thing, though, right? Amen. Mix it up. Well, here we are. We're in 1 John chapter 2. We are looking at this letter that John wrote to the believers that began to wander from loving God and loving other people. So John is writing this letter to remind them, and I I believe he's reminding us this morning as well, what, what does it look like to love God and to love other people? And so if you've been with us the last few weeks, we a few weeks ago we were in the courtroom. And we looked at being in the courtroom as God, through John, says there's four people in that courtroom. There's the just God. There's the, the the adversary that is coming against us. Then there's the guilty party, which is you and I. And yet there's this other man that remains in the courtroom. That is Jesus, our advocate. And then John, after that, after he took us out of the courtroom, he now places us into the classroom. We're going to be in the classroom last week, this week, and again next week. And the classroom is this. He's going to put to test to show us is what we say that we have really what we have. He's going to test us based on our assurance of our salvation. Now, here's the beauty of our our assurance of our salvation. If you are saved, you are truly saved. But John is going to now say to you, are you truly saved? It's what we looked at a a few months ago in the book of James. James says, hey, your faith without deeds is dead. And so John is going to go back to that. Do you really have what you say that you have? How often do people say they have something, but their life does not show what they say they have? And so now John is taking us back for another test. Last week, he took us to the test of our moral our morality, what do we say that we really have? Do we really keep the commandments? Are we living in obedience? That's the morality test. Now he's going to say, but is there's not just a, a moral test you have to pass, now there's a social test you have to pass. How do you now interact with one another? So he's going to test us on our love. Now for me, this week in studying this passage, Brought great conviction because so often I can say my actions show love, but what's going on in my heart? 
what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said this way, and your actions are saying this way, but where's it coming from? What's going on internally? That's what we have to ask ourselves this morning. Next week, we're going to look at our doctrine. What do we say that we know that we know about God and about his commandments? So he's going to give us a doctrinal test. He's going to take us from last week was elementary school. This week is high school. Next week is seminary. So now we're in college. We're, we're learning about love and all the things that we've been hearing about God. And now is our actions showing those things. Remember what the Apostle Paul said about love. There's faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. He says, so Paul is saying the thing of all the virtues, the thing that matters most about the believer is the way that you love. I want to put that on the top of your test. So just write love in that book of yours, love, because we're going to Point everything back to that. These two things that John is saying to us have to hold hands. Remember what he said in John chapter 2, what we saw last week. He said, by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, this week he's going to show us what the greatest commandment is. The greatest commandment is love. Remember what Paul said about love. We tend to go to that passage in Corinthians 13 and we we read the, those virtues. Love is this and love is this and love is this and love is this. But you have to take into account what he said in the first three verses about that. This is what Paul said about love. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clangy cymbal. That means you sound like racket. You sound terrible. That'd be like if I tried to get on that piano right now, it would be a disaster. And if I got behind a drum kit, it would be even worse. I have no rhythm at all. You have to have some rhythm to play the drums. But but the way my body works, my right hand, left hand, right foot, left foot, they don't work together in unison ever. I don't know how I'm able to walk most days. Like I'm so clumsy. But that is what Paul is saying to us. If we have no love, we are clumsy in all that we do. He goes on to say this in the next verse. And if I have prophetic powers and understanding of all the mysteries and all the knowledge and have all the faith so to remove mountains, but I have not love, what? I've got nothing. And Paul, I'm like, man, bro, you could have stopped at verse 2, man. He keeps going. He says, and if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, even if I have this sacrificial thing within me, that I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So love is important, is it not? Now, I want you to think about all the things that we say that we love. You say you love your wife, and yet the next word you say you love tacos. You love tacos and you love God. Like, so what is this thing love? 
it has to be driven with action. It can't be just driven with words is what John is saying to us. Because if we just say we have love but we have no action, it's really cheap. And I'm going to get to that in the way of application at the end this morning. Love is never cheap. Love is costly. So I want to look at two things this morning in this text. I want to look first as love is a commandment. Love is not a suggestion. Not, love is not open for debate. Love is not like you pick and choose. It is a command given to us by a holy God. And then the next thing I want to look at is love is an action. So love is a command and love is an action. Let's go to the text this morning. Remember what he said again in chapter 2, what we looked at last week, that we must keep his commandments. And then next, of all the places he could have gone with the, the, the next few verses, of all the commandments of the, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, he goes to love. He says, beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, I am writing you a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So let me just get the confusion out of the way. It's like, are you writing us a new commandment or are you writing us an old commandment? Because you're kind of saying both, bro. It's like, well, what are you talking about? So he's writing us an old commandment that's been manifested in new ways. So, so think of that. It's not an old commandment. He's saying this old commandment that's been written from the beginning of time that you've heard from the beginning has this new manifestation that makes it look new. What's the newness? It's Jesus. Remember what Jesus said about himself. I've come to fulfill all the old commandments. I don't come to bring you new commandments. I come to fulfill what you've heard from the beginning. So John is getting back to, this is not a new commandment. It's an old commandment. But Christ himself has manifested himself in the new commandment so that you now know how to live. He's giving us Jesus as the prime example how we ought to live based on the old commandment. The old commandment comes to us from Leviticus 19.18. Now you have to go down into a passage to know he's talking about love. Because he says later on in the text, like, well, how do you know he's talking about love? Because he says it in verse 10, whoever loves his brother. You can take that word and you can just move it to the top. The word love has to do with that commandment. So where is John getting this old commandment from? Remember what Jesus himself said. I'll get to the little passage here in a second. But remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22. Remember he's being questioned about the law. He's been being questioned about the commandments. And what's the most important commandment? Remember that. When the Pharisees try to trap Jesus, they go to Jesus and say, Hey, I know there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament. So which one of those is the most important? What does Jesus say? He said, well, there's two of them. You can't have one with the other. 
and all the law of the prophets hang on these two. What are the two? The two are to love God and to love other people. Jesus is quoting two places, the Shema in Deuteronomy and Leviticus chapter 19.18, where God through Moses says to the people, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the old law, to love God and to love other people. And so, this is not an old commandment. This is, this is not a new commandment. It's an old commandment. Now, do you believe in those commandments? Remember, it takes us back to last week. Last week, we talked about if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. And now John says this to us in this text. So it's this old commandment that we're called to live by to keep his commandments so that we know that we love him. Now he moves into, now love is an action. I'm going to spend the bulk of my time in our application this morning. If you're like, man, that was the first, that was a quick first uh, one because the bulk is going to be in our application this morning. So now he moves. Not only is it a commandment, but it must be an action. This is what he says in verse 9 and 11. He, he says this. He's going to give up two, two negatives and a positive when it comes to his action. Whoever says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So there's two, three things that we see in this text as a way of action. Two negative, one positive. The first one is this, in a way of action. What does your speech and attitude say about your love? That's what he says in the text. Whoever says that he's in the light, but what he's saying in his heart or what he's saying out of his mouth is that he hates his brothers. Those two things cannot be true at the same time. So is your actions, is my actions, is your words and my actions saying, I'm in the light, but truly, I'm really in darkness. That's what John is going to continue to get at. Our life and conduct and speech and heart all have to be held together if it's all going to be true. I just want you now on your test, on your paper, to say to yourself, how would you grade yourself based on what you say and what you do and where it's coming from? That's what John is saying. If, hey, if you say you're in the light, but you really hate your brother. Now, remember what Jesus said about hating your brother. He says, it, it, it's like murder. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said not to murder, but I say, don't even have hatred in your heart toward your brother. So that's the first place in your speech, in your attitude, in your actions. The next thing he says is this. He goes back to action. This is the positive. He says, but whoever loves his brother abides in the light. Now catch what he says, whoever loves his brother. He doesn't talk about the speech of a, of a man. 
He doesn't talk about the speech of a woman. What he's talking about is the action of a man or a woman. Does your daily life show that you love somebody? I'm going to get to the application of what that has to look like. In your relationships, your personal relationships with your spouse, with your children, could you say, man, I really love them. You're going to need to earmark your Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. You'll need to earmark your Bible, uh, John 13. You'll need to earmark your Bible, John 15. All those places are about love, which will help you know, do you really love somebody? He says this, because if you really love somebody, then you won't cause them to stumble. Now, here's how that looks. Just going to be honest. It's in our inner thoughts when we wish ill will upon somebody. Guilty as charged. Now, my actions may not show that. My actions may show otherwise, but my heart is like, man, I wish bad onto them. And what John is saying to us, in your heart, do you hope good for everyone? Jesus will say it this way. Do you even hope good on your enemies? Now, I don't know about you, but my enemies, I'm like, man, I really hope bad for them. I'm just being honest. But John, that's why this passage for me has been so convicting. Because I don't think anyone really that's close to me in my life that knows me would ever think that about me. But I'm telling you, if you got into the depths and the recesses of my heart, you'd be like, man, there's some, still some wickedness in there. I have to go before the Lord and ask God, God, I want to keep your commandments. God, I long to know you. So God, through your Holy Spirit, bring that place of a conviction, and that conviction will lead to repentance, and my repentance will lead to a change of action. Not just externally, but internally. Because I don't want anyone to stumble. But how often do I really want someone to stumble? wishing bad upon them, that something bad happens to them, or that they'll get theirs. Remember what God says, leave vengeance up to me. How often do we want to take vengeance into our own hands? It feels really good. Amen? Okay, somebody say amen. Like I'm not the only one. Like, to have that much power over someone feels really good. That's not what God wants for any of us. We ought to not have any place in our lives that we would want somebody to stumble. The last place he goes back to a negative. He says, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here's the last place for you and me. Does my life show that I have spiritual eyes that see things? Or am I walking around in darkness? Anyone ever wondered to themselves, man, I, I wish I saw God more. I wish I heard from the Lord more. I wish I could see the things of God more. Anyone ever thought that about themselves? Well, John's saying, then check your heart. Because maybe your heart is in the wrong place, and if your heart is in the wrong place, you'll always be spiritually blind. 
And so if you're here this morning, you're like, man, I I just want to see God. I want to be in God's presence. Then check your heart. If you have any hatred towards someone, you will stay spiritually blind. And you will walk around like like a man that has no direction. And if that's you, maybe, just maybe, it's because of your hatred in your heart. So now let's go to a way of application. Let's go back to that verse in verse 7. John says, beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old one that you have heard from the beginning. And an old commandment is that the word that you have heard at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him. Who's the in 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 him? It's Christ. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn with me to John 13. This is the same writer, John, that wrote John. First, John wrote this gospel. I'm going to give some context of what's going on here in this passage. John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is, is this amazing moment in the life of Christ. This is the moment where he's talking to his disciples and he says to two of them, hey, I want you to go prepare a place for us so we can have this last Passover. And in that, there's some things I'm going to need to tell you at this last dinner. So here's Jesus in this upper room with his most beloved friends. And he begins to talk to them about the things he wants them to know before he dies here in a few hours. So again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. When someone tells you something right before they die, it's probably really, really important. And so here Jesus is with his most beloved disciples, and this is what he does for them before he ever teaches them anything. I'm going to read the whole passage, just stay with me. I'll read some, teach some, read some, teach some. It says this, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. Now these are the guys that in a few hours are going to scatter all over the world. But it says that Jesus knew that and he loved them to the end. Not only did he love them to the end, but he loved everyone that was going to persecute him to the end. Remember some of his last words on the cross. It was words of love. God, please forgive them. They know not what they do. What an act of love. He goes on to say this. During the supper, when the devil had already been put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, he had come from God and was going back to God, rose up from the supper table. Now he had known that Judas was about to betray him. And now look at what Jesus does with the men that he knows is going to betray him. He knows one dude's going to deny him, and he knows the other ten are just going to be scattered all over the place. He knows in a few hours... He's going to be left alone from his most trusted friends. But he gets up from the supper table. 
he lay aside his outer garment, taking a towel tied around his waist, and he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiping them with a towel. Then he came to Simon, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. You'll understand this here in a few hours, Peter. You're going to get this moment. Because what this moment is about to say to Peter when he's reminded of when that rooster crows, that God, what? Through Christ, loved him to the end. So you're going to get this in a few hours. How much I really love you, Peter. That you're going to understand that even though you reject me, I'll never reject you. You're going to remember this moment. Remember what Peter does after that rooster crows. What does he do? He weeps. How come he weeps? Because he's reminded of this moment of Jesus washing his own feet. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you cannot share with me. Simon Peter said to the Lord, Lord, let my feet, let not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet. But it's completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you is clean. What was going on in the heart of Judas in that moment? But not every one of you is clean. For he knew that he was going to be betrayed. When he washed their feet, he put his outer garment and resumed his place and said to him, do you understand what I have done for you? And do you get it? That's basically what he said. And now he says, let me tell you what I've just done for you. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also what ought to wash one another's feet. You ought to serve one another. You ought to what? Love each other all the way to the end, the way I've just demonstrated my love for you all the way to the end. He said this, for I have given you an example that you also should do this as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master or a messenger greater than the one who sent him. For you know these things. Blessed are you if you do them. Do what? You're blessed if you do what? You serve one another. He says, let me tell you what servanthood looks like, what to really serve each other really means. He says, I know who I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate this bread and lifted his heel against me, I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And after these things, after Jesus had washed their feet, after he had talked to him, he's going to go now into uh, some more things about the betrayal. Now, I won't read all of that, but he says, 
This is the man that's going to betray me, the one that eats the morsel that I dip into the cup and give it to him, and it's Judas. He says, hey, go and do what you got to do. But then when Judas runs out of the room to do what he's going to do, he's got his 11 closest friends. And when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also be glorified in himself and glorify him at once. Little children. Listen to that term of endearment. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you, and you will seek me. Just as I said to the Jews, so I say now, where I am going, you cannot come. But catch what he says. I'm about to leave you. Where I'm going, you can't come with me yet. I need to tell you this before I leave you. A new commandment I give you. I need to tell you a new commandment. You've walked with me for these three years. You now have to do what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to give you a commandment that you ought to do what? Just as I have done for you. Just as I have washed your feet. Just as I have served you. You are now to wash the feet of other people and you are to serve them. He says, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. The new commandment is that you love one another. Just as what? He has loved you. Jesus will go on and talk about he's the way, the truth, and the light in, in life in chapter 14. He'll talk about him being the vine and us being the branches. But this is what he says in, Matthew, in John chapter 15, verse 12. Let's turn there for a moment. Remember, he had just said, I, I give you this commandment that you love one another. Just a few moments later, he says this in 15:12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Catch this. Verse 13. Greater love has none than this, that someone would lay his life down for his friends. And he goes on and says this in verse 17. These things I command you so that you love one another. What is it that Jesus has just done for them? And what is it that Jesus is about to do? He loved them to the end. He gave them a commandment to love each other to the end. And now he says this, greater love has none than this, that he would lay his life down for his friends. And what does Jesus do in just a few hours? He lays his life down. But he doesn't just lay his life down for his friends. Paul says this, that while we were yet enemies of him, he laid his life down for us. So my question to you, my question to myself is this. Have I really had an encounter with Christ? Because if I really have an encounter with Christ, then my love through action would be this especially for us in this building, that we would what? Lay our life down for one another. That we would wash each other's feet. 
that we would outserve one another. You see, I said it at the beginning of the, the message. I'll say it again. Love is costly. Remember what it cost Jesus himself, his very life. And remember what Jesus said in that upper room when he broke bread and he poured wine into a cup and gave them the Lord's Supper. He said this. Remember what he said. Do this in remembrance of me. Do what? It's not just take the bread and the wine. It's a remembrance of his body being broken and poured out for his people. And he says, hey, now you go do the same. You go break your body and you go pour out your blood for people. What would the church look like if we outloved one another, outserved one another, outcared for one another, outloved one another? This building wouldn't be able to hold all the people that it would attract. If we really did what John says, turn back to the text. If we really did love our brothers. My prayer for us this morning is this, as a way of application. What does your speech and attitude say about how you love? What does your speech and actions reveal about your heart? And the most important question you can ask is, have you had an encounter with Jesus that laid his life down for you? Because if you've had that encounter, you will want to lay your life down. The same way Christ laid his down for you. As John says, beloved, I am not writing you a new commandment, but an old one that you have heard from the beginning. Now go back to verse 3 of chapter 2. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Remember what he said and what I said last week. We're going to get to this in a few weeks. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. His commandments are not burdensome. Therefore, love ought not to be burdensome. It ought to be costly, but it shall not be burdensome. Let us pray.